Church, when I look at the world around us today, I think there are plenty of things that we need God to save us from. I think you'd probably agree, right? We need God to save us from deadly viruses, pandemics. Uh, we need God to save us from uh, rioting and racism. We need God to save us from the inequality and injustices that give rise to some of the violence that we've seen in our streets. We need God to save us from politics, which don't always have people's interests in mind and are off for, out for themselves uh, at the expense of everyone else. We need God to save us from uh, bankruptcy, from homelessness, from poverty. We need God to save us from loneliness and from depression. We need God to save us from marriage conflicts and family disputes. Uh, we need God to save us from our own doubts, our own fears. Like the list of things that we need God to save us from today is as big as it's ever been. And yet if you ask most Christians, and church, if I were to ask you this question, are you saved? Or have you been saved? You would just say yes. Because the way you phrase that question, the way I phrase that question is, is something, has something happened to you in the past that's put you in a different category? Have you gone from being unsaved to saved? Have you gone from being lost to being found? Right? And that's an honest answer. But what you see right there in the comparison between all the things we need God to save us from now and saying, have we been saved eternally? Have we been saved by the cross? Have we been saved by our faith? is you're recognizing that we often fall into an over, a, a gross oversimplification of what it means to be saved. If we can say that being saved, quote unquote, have you been saved, means did you at one time pray a prayer to put your faith in Christ alone? Well, then basically being saved is a one-time thing that then you just live the rest of your life and hopefully kind of like figure things out until you die and then Jesus takes care of you. But if you were to ask, what's the court case that you're involved in now that you need deliverance from, that you need a just judge and a right ruling? Um, if you were to say, what's the sickness that you're struggling with? You know, what are the bills you're struggling with? Well, then what does that saving have to do with this saving? And some people, when you talk about being saved, look at the past, but basically all it means is, I'm going to be saved. This life is a mess, this world is a mess, and uh, one day I'll see God in glory. <clears throat> There'll be no more sickness, no more sorrow, no more pain, no more mourning, just peace, perfection. We're looking forward to that long, I will be saved. So in this conversation here from Scripture, I just really want to challenge us not to oversimplify God. If there is a God capable of creating the universe, we can't simplify him to such a small little character, so understandable, uh, so convenient, that we can turn around and mock him and feel like he's useless, that he couldn't possibly step in and help, that he doesn't have a plan, that he isn't all-knowing, all-powerful, all-wise. And yet, if this is the God that we serve, the God that we see interacting in the lives of everyone in the pages of Scripture, the God that we've seen step in and intervene in our lives, then let's not put him into little sections. Let's recognize that salvation, being saved, is actually this enormous and complex, ongoing, past, present, and future thing. The Greek word for uh, being saved is sozo. 
It can be translated as <clears throat> to protect, uh, being saved, right? You protect someone, you save them. To keep alive or preserve life, they were saved. Uh, to deliver or heal, they were saved from an illness, to be made whole. Uh, deliverance from demonic possession, from sickness. Uh, but most often it's used in terms of eternal life, salvation for our souls, that our heart and our mind, ourselves inside this body, that we believe that receive the breath of life from God, but are corrupted by sin and need the redemption of Jesus so that our souls can be with God again after this body is long gone. That, that salvation is the heart of God's redemption. That's the heart of the cross. But it's not the only piece of it. It may be the central part of it. Christ's work on the cross, forgiveness for us, is the central piece of every healing that we ever receive. But those healings happen in the present tense. Say you accept Christ as your Savior as a child. You still will have illness throughout the course of your life that you need to be saved from. We'll still have challenges and trials and things we're agonizing over in the present tense of our lives. And God, who's over all time, looks in, intervenes in those moments to save and deliver. The psalmist uh, writes so often, let us see your goodness in the land of the living. It's kind of this acknowledgement that there, there's a, a land of spirits in the land of the living. God exists in heaven. You know, Father in heaven, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Um, and... We want to see that deliverance, that kingdom come here on earth, that will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. So we're praying for present day salvation, present day deliverance, present day sozo, based on the past tense, deliverance of Christ on the cross, the conquering of sin and death and power of Satan, in anticipation of the full redemption of our bodies, the full redemption of this world, the full redemption of all things. So salvation has a past, present, and future tense. Uh, I want to read at least one scripture for each one to show you how the Bible uses the same word to describe many things, but the, the heart of what I'm hoping to drive at and get to in this conversation is to be asking ourselves, how has God saved us? How is God saving us? And how are we hoping, how will God save us? What is our hope? This essentially becomes our testimony but again, even a testimony, if you ask someone, tell me your testimony, usually we just gravitate towards the starting point. Where were we before we heard about Jesus? What difference did it make in our lives to hear about Jesus? And then how we believed. It's kind of like our testimony is a fully past tense thing because we're viewing our salvation as a fully past tense thing. That's a mistake and it's an oversimplification. It's like truncating what's meant to be a life of salvations, a life of salvation, a saved life. A life of being <clears throat> saved innumerable times, the way we see it in the lives of all the people in Scripture. They don't just have one conversion moment and be like, ah, all right, life is easier, life is hard, but it is what, no, God steps in and he steps in and he steps in and he intervenes and eventually delivers them. So that's what we want too. And so the reason I, I'm challenging us to think about our story is because I'd like to conclude this conversation by having us turn to the people that were around and ask each other, share our stories, but not a, a testimony like, how have you been saved? Were you saved? Were you baptized one day? Were you um, delivered uh, one day? Uh, did you believe one day? Because that makes it sound like that's all God's good for, and then you're on your own. 
And that is not the actual salvation gospel message. The gospel message is that Jesus gives us his spirit and he lives with us day by day and we learn from him, we talk, we engage, we get delivered from addictions, we get delivered from fears, we get um, daily bread provided, money and food and housing and clothing, the things we need. That's not just because I said a prayer when I was, you know, six years old with my mom on my bedside. And it's not just because uh, I was baptized when I was a little boy. It's because God is with me. But because he's with me, based on that event, based on my faith, I also have hope that everything else he said is going to come true will come true in my life. I can trust him and his promises for my family, for my future, for my health, for our finances, uh, for our safety, for our joy, for our purpose in life, for our mission, and for eternity. So it's building confidence in the Lord as we walk by faith. So be thinking about your story. And at the end, as we kind of go to some discussion questions, uh, very simply, I would love to have us turn and tell our stories to each other, but not tell them as if we're done, because we're not done and God's not done with us. Uh, he wants to be saving us today. So how is God saving you currently? You know, obtaining your salvation, working it out with fear and trembling right now. And what do we see ahead? What are we praying for him to save us from or save us into or save us towards? And I'd love to expand that definition of salvation. Uh, in theological terms, the word salvation is broken up into justification, which is when you're made pure, uh, you're just saved, it's like a, a state of being. Uh, sanctification, you're being saved and made more like Christ. And glorification, you'll be glorified to become with him in glorified bodies, to live with him forever. So we're talking about being saved if you see those terms in scripture, justification, sanctification, glorification, they fall under the umbrella. They are categories, actually time frames of God's lifelong saving work that he wants to do in your life. And I think this is a beautiful way to approach God in our world today. I don't want to feel like God's got me because of something that happened, you know, years ago, but now I'm just kind of floundering. We're not floundering. We need to be saved from the things that are Troubles, trials, risks, problems, fears, uh, and we need to be saved towards glory. Uh, so I encourage you to be thinking about your story. Here are some scriptures that can challenge us um, to think more deeply about this as we think about God's saving work in our own lives. Uh, the first one to start with is Hebrews 13.8. It's just a single sentence. It says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's the basis of our foundation. We trust that Jesus was not just dead and done, but that he was dead and he rose, lives with us, gives us the spirit, sustains us, and that we'll see him face to face again one day. That's, that's faith. And <clears throat> if he's consistent, then he's going to do consistent things. So just as he died for your sins and delivered us from bearing the weight of our own sins, so will he today deliver us from the things that are threatening to destroy us and preserve us and protect us. And also then in the same way, he will deliver us eternally. That the consistency of Christ over all time is the salvation of God. It's sozo and it applies to the healings and sicknesses, to demonic oppression, to uh, our finances and empty checking accounts and uh, overdue bills. Uh, to uh, strained and failing marriages, 
to uh, our fears and our doubts and our worries, our anxiety and our depression. It's the same, sozo, same word, being saved. And I want you to know that God is working on saving you. And he's done everything he needs to to get that salvation in motion. And he will continue it forever. And I want that to be our confidence. So it's based in Christ. That was Hebrews 13.8. Here, um, let me give you an example of the past tense use of salvation in Scripture. This is a familiar one. It's from Ephesians chapter 2. Start with verse 4. It says, God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. You hear it? Past tense. And raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ. I believe this is like a positional relationship. Your identity has changed. You are now, your name is written in the book of life. You are seated with Christ. But we still have to live out this life here on this earth until our full glorification. So verse 6, or 7 continues... So that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. Ephesians 2.8 For by God's grace, you have been saved through your faith. It's based on faith. And this is not your own doing. It's a gift of God. It's not a result of your works so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works in the present tense, you could say which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We're walking in salvation. We're working out our salvation with fear and trembling. Another one, Titus chapter 3, verse 4, 4 to 6. When the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, He saved us, past tense, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to His own mercy, by the washing and regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us richly through Christ Jesus our Savior. Past tense gift, meaning and leading to a life of present tense filling and protection and provision. So let's move to a couple of scriptures then that talk about salvation in the present tense. You'll see them. You'll hear the difference in the terminology. 1 Corinthians 1, 17 and 18. Christ did not send me to baptize. This is Paul writing, so he's speaking in his letter. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, and not with words of eloquent wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. So the cross is the power of God for us who are being saved. It's a present tense. It's like, you know, the soup that we live in of every single day. We are being saved. God is not done with us. In that great song, Campus and Clay, he's not done with us yet. But it's because of what Christ accomplished on the cross, saved here to pour out his spirit so we'd be renewed rebirth washing the holy spirit but we are being saved today god is not absent first peter 1 6 through 9 says in this you rejoice though now for a little while if necessary you have been grieved by various trials so that the tested genuineness of your faith more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not now see him, you believe in him, and you rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, 
the salvation of your souls. We are filled with glory and inexpressible rejoicing as we obtain the outcome of our faith. It's like building and building. We're being filled in the Holy Spirit, which has come to us through our faith in Christ, is working on us leading us towards the outcome. Eventually, building, we're obtaining, present tense, are obtaining a final state of glorification. It's beautiful, present tense. So when we move towards that final state, here are a few scriptures that use the word salvation in that future tense. And again, listen for the future tense part of it. Romans 5, 8 through 10. God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since there we have now been justified by his blood, made right, how much more shall we, will we be saved by him from the wrath of God? For if while we were enemies we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, how much more now that we are reconciled shall we be saved by his life? Shall we, will we, save from the wrath of God? Same salvation, being saved past, present, and future. Here's another future tense of salvation. 1 Thessalonians 5, 9 through 11. For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, awake or asleep, alive or dead, whether we're awake or asleep, we might live with him, living with him, live with him, right? Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. Don't just wait. Don't just say, hey, hang in there, but encourage one now because we want to live with him and we want to live with him in our Father's house, which has many rooms. So have you been saved? Are you saved? I hope so. But it's also an incomplete question. You should say, well, I'm willing to tell you about how I have been saved if we can talk about the ways that God is saving me right now. Or if you will pray for me, that God will save me from the giants in my life right now, from the mountains in my life that I'm trying to climb right now. And oh, isn't it great? Isn't it great when we finally are ultimately uh, permanently saved and we're not fighting all these battles anymore, whether awake or asleep on earth as it is in heaven, right? One more scripture maybe, just as an encouragement to be moving forward. It's Romans 13, 10. And 11, love does no wrong to a neighbor, therefore love is the fulfillment of the law. And besides this, you know the time that the hour has come for you to wake from your sleep. For salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. Salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. It's kind of an amazing thing that a God who's outside of time, who doesn't progress through moments but sees them all, is willing to intercede, be a revealing God, a God that answers prayers in the moment as part of the sovereign picture. And this is why I say don't simplify God. Expand him. Don't try to consolidate the thoughts you have about him so that he makes sense. Dig deeper and look at more facets so that your mind can expand. Have you been saved? Are you being saved? Will you be saved? That should be the definition of our faith. That should be the answer to that question. Uh, This weekend, I'm going to have a couple of people that are taking a step of baptism. So that's a symbolic and a very spiritual and very uh, beautiful expression and step and interaction of them with the Father. 
And so we're going to get to celebrate that. But if that's the last thing that ever happens spiritually in their lives, and if we watch them for the rest of their lives just struggle and struggle and struggle and wonder, like, what's going on? I was saved. It's like, well, this is the beginning of your growing, building salvation as you become more like Christ, as you adopt the words of Scripture, as the Word sanctifies us, as the Spirit of truth sanctifies us, makes us more like Christ. Uh, as God delivers us from <clears throat> illnesses and from uh, big questions in life, <clears throat> this is what we should see in the present tense, and this is what we should see in our lives. So I pray that God is saving you, and I pray that you are living with a joy-filled life at the ways that God is saving you. Do you have good health? Celebrate that as a deliverance of God, the same exact way the Israelites would have celebrated not coming down with a plague in Egypt as a deliverance of God. There's something going on in the world, and yet for some reason, by God's great mercy, we saw that mercy. It's not based on us. We don't deserve it. But we are humbly grateful for every moment that God will deliver us and protect us. Every time He'll say something to us to give us wisdom or clarity in decision-making. Every time he gives us reconciliation with those that we've sinned against or forgiveness to those that have sinned against us. So these stories of our past, of our present, and the things we're hoping for in our future, uh, those make up our real testimony, our full testimony. And so I would just like to challenge uh, each of you with whoever you're with to turn and give each other your testimony, share your story, it can be brief, but would you please include the three parts of your life and don't treat God as if he only cares that you said a prayer. I said the sinner's prayer, so I'm done. And don't treat God as if this life with its kind of petty things, even if they're life and death in the eternal scope, our problems are small, you know, in comparison to the greatness of God and the world and redemptive plan. Let's not treat it as if this is the be all and end all because there's much bigger and better things coming ahead and eternity is far longer in this short little life that we live. So let's put ourselves in perspective according to the big picture of how God has saved us. And let's build those cultures in our backyard groups, in our families, in our homes. Let's build a culture of uh, people who are uh, vulnerable, people who are open, people who share their stories. If we have not seen God save us yet, in this particular way, in this moment, then ask for prayer that we can see God's deliverance because God wants to save those. He's not done with us yet and he's got uh, so much more in store for us. So I'm going to close with uh, a reading from Romans chapter 8 and then I would just like to ask you to go around and uh, share your story so we can be encouraged. It says encourage and build one and up just as you are doing. That was from uh, 1 Thessalonians 5.11. I want you to do that. Encourage one another by sharing stories of what God has done. Encourage each other and build one another up for what he's doing right now. And uh, remind each other that this is not all it is. 2020, with all of its challenges, is not the end. It's just somewhere along the way. And God has big things planned because we're his workmanship and he has things prepared for us to do. So I'll close with uh, this. Romans 8, 28 through 39. And we know that for those who God loves, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to His purpose. For those whom He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son, in order that Christ might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom He predestined, He also called. And those He called, He also justified. And those He justified, He also glorified. So what then shall we say to all these things? 
If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, the one who was raised. The one who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. So who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. May God bless you as he saves you this week.